Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hey, brother. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? So good. I'm very zen. I just came back from a yoga retreat. Nice. Out in the middle of nowhere? Yes, sort of. It was in Estes Park near Rocky Mountain National. Um, so pr- pretty remote, but a lot of people will leave cities to go to there for its remoteness. So less remote for that reason. Nice. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, well, you know, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to bring the heat on this podcast. So, oh yeah. I have to amp you know, up my like yeah. Zen. I'm drinking tea right now. <laughs> I'm still wearing <laughs> yoga pants, but for the, like this time actually it's because it did yoga. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have like a one to six ratio of times I've actually worked out to the times I wear workout clothes. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So, um, we are talking about goal setting today. And, uh, so, you know, I don't, I, we can't have just a bunch of like haphazard, lazy goals set by you, you know, you got <laughs> to bring the heat. Okay. You know, that was, that was a workshop I did this weekend was the, the integrative art of living and goal setting. <laughs> so nice. I'm very primed to have this discussion. Well, um, I'm the opposite of Zen because, uh, currently as we speak, both the uh, president and vice president are less than five miles from my home um, <laughs> speaking, uh, endorsing someone for our uh, governor race. Um, so that will be decided, I suspect, by the time this episode airs. But uh, it's it's uh, it's big doings on here in the old Chattanooga. Boy, it is. That's a big deal for Chattanooga, Tennessee. <laughs> Last week, there was a news story because a... Um, we have a direct flight from Chattanooga to uh, Chicago that we're, we've gotten a bunch of new direct flights and we're real, real proud of them. And so the flight was coming United flight from Chicago to Chattanooga. They were like uh, some portion of the way here. And they realized the plane they were on was too big for the Chattanooga airport. So they no. turned the flight around, went back <laughs> to O'Hare, got on a smaller plane and then came. And so that's like the level at which we're, you know, uh, Chattanooga airport. And now we've got like air force one and air force two, both here at the same time. And I I don't see how that's happening. Like, I feel like, you know, I I see like Pence pulling the, the like inflatable chute and coming down because we don't have the stair car thing, you know? Yeah. So. Anyways. Yeah, there's no way they have the stair car thing. I didn't think about that. And but like what I mean, what portion of the airport was too small? I mean, surely the runway could accommodate the <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I need more details on this, but it is a adorable. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine it was like, you know, a jumbo jet coming <laughs> to Chattanooga. So like it yeah. couldn't have been um I don't know. That's interesting. What do you think? The guy, the like guy or girl, but let's just say guy who made this plan and opened the first fight. Like, was he asleep on the job there? Like, <laughs> just completely like, do you think maybe he did not have good goal setting? Uh, and- <laughs> it's, it's certainly possible. I know one thing. If I were on said flight, I certainly wouldn't be very zen. I oh, be I'd be so pissed. So mad. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> so annoying. And that guy, maybe his goal was to get fired. Like you could like pin <laughs> his novella. So. Yeah, I bet that's it. So well done, sir. Uh-huh. Get, <laughs> get, get Matt on the map. <laughs> 
It's a real thing. Um, all right. Well, how do you set goals? Yeah. And like, and we, you know, for your business, I'm not talking about your fitness journey. That's right. Or in a sports context. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's a good question. So I was thinking before the show, um, I, you know, I guess I've got a couple different lenses that I view through goals. So I have things like the monthly revenue goal that I try to hit each month. And, and that really looks like that goal for us looks like this is how much we need to pay our bills. Um, Hmm. so, um, it's, I've been fortunate the last, uh, so many months I've, I've been far exceeding that. So it's, it's not like a, you know, that's not one that like I'm achieving it very comfortably. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's the kind of thing normally in goal setting world, it feels like I should be raising the bar on that. Right. uh, Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Do you then increase your goal? Well, on the monthly level, I I haven't, and maybe it's just like a mental thing to know that like, you know, I could lose a client or something and everything would be fine because, you know, I'm I'm well exceeding the goal. Yeah. Um, if I zoom out a little bit, like I do have like an annual goal for revenue. And so, uh, it kind of ebbs and flows to the extent that like, you know, the first few months of this year weren't great of, of 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the last eight of them have been. And so like, I'm still, um, it looks like projecting out through the end of the year, like I should be, I should achieve that, that goal, um, for just annual revenue. Um, and so that's exciting too. And that was a little bit of a stretch goal. Um, it was, it was kind of a, a huge step forward from, um, my traditional employment before just from a, uh, financial perspective. And so, uh, it seemed like something that was obtainable probably in May. So I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's shoot for it. You know, that's awesome. So you'll be making more than you made when you were traditionally employed. I, w- I will. Um, I actually, it looks like I was, cause we we're about to build a house. And so I was going back through old tax stuff the other day and I looked at what the last take home. Yeah. yeah my last full year in agency world was. And, uh, I, you know, for setting this goal, I was like, you know what? I, I really think I could double that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so in my, in my first full year, full calendar year of, of freelance, um, I, I will have, you know, um, doubled that for my last full year of, of agency work. And so that's, that's like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's freaking awesome. And I feel a little bit like kind of a D bag saying that on a podcast, but um, no, that's great. That's like people who are listening to this podcast, hopefully are thinking, gosh, can I do this? And I think that showing that it's a success financially is huge. Yeah. It's weird because when I tell people what I do for a living, we've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. It like often people are like, oh, oh mm-hmm. poor Rob, he's unemployed. <laughs> I know. And, and I want to be like, no way I'm doing like, things are so much better, um, from financial perspective, from a, like a family perspective, like, um, from a stress level, like so much about this is better. But, um, but then people are like, no, oh, poor Rob. I know. I, and then like, why does that bot? Cause I get the same thing. And, and it makes me want to be like, I know that I make like double what you make right now. <laughs> Um, but you know, why, why do I care? Why am I not just like, yes, please continue to feel sorry for me and send me work. (laughs) I will happily be the benefactor of your pity. 
One of the cool things about my current employment situation is I get to pick up uh, our daughter from her little pre- like half day preschool that she goes to a couple days a week. And it's me and a lot of uh, moms in workout clothes and Suburbans. <laughs> And not to cast stones, I don't want to project anything you're on them. You're totally like a you're you're like a they think you're a stay at home dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that makes me, to your point, just a second ago, it makes me feel super weird. Like, like I'm like, yeah, I've been working all day, and yes, I'm maybe in workout clothes, but that's because I don't have to go anywhere. I'm just like sitting yeah. at home. It's not because I worked out. It's oh, one yeah. to six. <laughs> And, you know, I go pick her up and then come back and put her down for a nap and then work some more, you know, and it's just like a, yeah. I don't know, a, an hour long break by the time we, you know, go get her and eat a snack and go down for a nap, that whole thing. And it's like, it's, you know, kind of a cool little thing I do on uh, two days a week. And, but, uh, in that setting where I go to pick up all the kids with all the like, you know, little trophy wife ladies, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. I'm so self-conscious. Trophy really spouses. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, Ra- that was Rachel- the offensive part. <laughs> Rachel's my sugar mama. And <laughs> yeah, like I've been tempted to like dress up when I go pick her up so that people feel yeah, like I'm going back to, to an office. Yeah, I, I've yeah. done that. I've totally, I've totally multiple times not had anything to do, but I still dress like a lawyer just because I'd rather like w- walk through the world having people think I'm like, have somewhere to be (laughs) yeah even if there's no reason plus i mean my office is adjacent to a whole bunch of other like 17th street like law firms so i'm so likely to run into somebody um but that's a dumb reason (laughs) but still for sure so what kind of um what kind of goals do you keep in mind set for yourself work-wise well, it's interesting because when, you know, when you're at a firm, there's like a billable hour requirement um, that you have. Every firm I was at had a billable hour requirement somewhere between um, 1800 and like 2100 I think, um, per year, obviously. So, um, which uh, totals out to be quite a few uh, hours to actually bill. Um, there's no way I'm even sort of like close to a fraction of that on actual hours build. But now my metric is money build, which is so much, um, more meaningful. Um, cutting out the the middle man, like, I think that would be a bad approach if you, if you had your associates confronted with the amount of money they're making for the firm all the time (laughs) that would be unwise so it makes a lot of sense that they talk about the hour instead of the dollar but for me it's the dollar and um so the amount that i wanted to make that i thought okay this is sustainable if i'm making like a professional's salary that i can feel good about um was like pretty i mean it was more than i made the first couple of years of practice, but that was my goal. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it looks like I'll, ugh, I don't want to jinx myself, but, um, I might double it. So that would be cool. That's um, awesome. This year, which my real goal, as we all know, is to make more than my husband. <laughs> so, <laughs> You've mentioned uh, so, that before. Yeah. <laughs> so, whether that means he makes less or I make more, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, so so both of those are kind of the same. 
but I haven't adjusted it, even though I met the like the actual goal I stated. I um in 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 Clio, which is the uh, invoicing software and time tracking software we use. Um, the dashboard, right, has like a line graph with where you are um, for the year on, on your goal. And so one would think I would adjust it because I passed it in July. <laughs> so like, <laughs> but I'm just, I get a real kick out of that escalation of like the lighter blue line on top of the darker blue line as I continue to exceed it. So I don't, I don't change it. I just keep... I think it's this probably a res- reluctance maybe that I'm I don't want to increase my goal to a more anything closer to what I'm actually making because having I don't want to depend on on that and having you know the feeling that like half of what I make is total gravy um is much less scary than yeah. thinking like oh gosh if I don't keep doing this well I'm not going to help to afford my yacht or whatever (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's funny my my uh wife rachel kind of does the same thing she uh she wrapped up a bunch of the stuff she was working on uh, a couple weeks ago and she was like oh cool well i'll be able to kind of you know take it easy for the rest of the year and work on some internal stuff and some planning stuff that that they've got going on and then she had like two or three leads kind of pop up and she was like Hmm. i was like dude that's awesome like you can finish the year like extra strong you know yeah she's like yeah but She's like, I don't like, am I going to be able to make this again next year? I was like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Make it this year. <laughs> yeah. You definitely have to make hay while the sun shines. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so, like it was raising the bar of her own yeah. internal expectations. And I was like, you know, uh, Gosh. again, you, you don't have to make that much next year, but you might like, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's funny how we do kind of mind games like that, uh, to ourselves. It is a mind game and that I totally relate to her because I, I'm starting to have like I told you this month is my is another banner month for me where I made more than um frankly I thought I could make in a month and and more than I've ever made in a month so far. Or at least if everybody pays me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> hope that happens. Um and you know, I have no reason to think next month will be the same. I had like some, you know, particularly large projects come up. Um, so that was cool, but I'm, I wasn't like, woo, yeah, balling out of control, like popping champagne. I was kind of like immediately anxious, like, great. Now the bar is raised this high. So (laughs) in order to feel like I have a good month, this is it. I've peaked. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, wonderful. Now I have to make this much to be able to feel like i had a good month that's a lot um so yeah it is funny how that happens i don't know how you you stay like hungry and motivated and excited about making more without um you know getting into that place where you're afraid if you don't make that amount yeah that's interesting i i've alluded to this in a, a prior show but a lot of my motivation for this is kind of a what's the quote um the the best revenge is success kind of thing yeah Um, yeah like reflecting back on some of the uh not so great experiences i've had in traditional employment this is kind of like that's the fuel for me to yeah uh, do what i'm doing um and what's crazy about it is i'm still i I still don't think i'm working it's certainly not as many hours um as i was then you know and i'm still uh, far exceeding uh, a, a lot of my financial goals and 
it's certainly a lot stressful, a lot less stressful, um, because I'm not having to deal with the internal politics stuff you know i just it's just like me and my work and so it's just a lot simpler and and from that uh standpoint is is wonderful too so i'm not spending a lot of time you know achieving stuff between my desk and the door it's all just client focused and that's fantastic um so i was going to ask you how you measured your goals you mentioned uh cleo is that yeah (laughs) (laughs) cleo um is like the banner software for law firm practice management. And actually mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited because I have this other like plugin thing that we just subscribed to called Lexicata that like integrates uh, G Suite with like Clio. And oh, cool. so like now my intake form, theoretically, my intake form can immediately be loaded into Clio. So that part where I have to you know, look at my Google form and then fill that information into the billing software is eliminated, which is awesome. And then there's lots of other potential benefits to it, but it's like very complex um, looking, um, real messy <laughs> visually. And there's approximately 6,000 ways to do any one thing. And like, for instance, when you're uh, billing invoices, you have to click like six levels deep on each invoice and then go back to the start and do the same thing for the next one. So you can't even like uh, page back, which is very irritating. Uh. Um, so <laughs> um, I have a love hate relationship with it, but I think that it's uh, consistently slowly improving well behind the curve as you would expect of any legal software. So yeah. And, um, <laughs> and it's probably cutting edge for all of its users. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. By using it, I'm cutting edge somehow, but it's like so archaic. Um, so it, you know, it's nice because that's the way that I can track my time, but I only enter billable stuff in there. So, um, it, with the exception, there's, you know, if it's a good client relationship move to record something and then write, like, you know, not build, like, mm-hmm. just to show that you did the work, then I'll do that. And my goal for this next year is to do that more because I haven't really optimized my data on that. And I think it, you know, it, it makes sense from my perspective to keep good records of how much time I'm spending on each client. And then also a client facing perspective, you know, if they think, your billable hours high, but then they see that you build two of the six hours you actually worked. <laughs> um, then they uh, probably would appreciate us a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, How do you record yours? Do you still use you zero? Well, so I use zero as my bookkeeping and it's got like a, a version of this. I wish it had like kind of swanky dashboardy kind of stuff, but it doesn't. Yeah. Um, not for, tracking this particular thing. I I've struggled to find like a, a solution to it that I really like. So currently I'm using just a Google sheet that I've, I fill out oh, and yeah. I've, I've got literally like columns for each month of the, you know, of the year. And, yeah. and then if I um, sign a new retainer agreement with a client, then I'll, I'll like put that in there. So like, I see like, Oh, okay. I've got this month, you know, this much money coming in December and January and February, like out projecting out into the future. And, and that part is like, great because, um, like from a, you know, a goal setting perspective, one thing that I'm, I'm working on between now and the end of the year is I actually have, uh, I'm, I'm working towards getting 
stuff scheduled into next year. So all of my clients that are renewing are renewing on annual terms. And, and so, you know, if, if they're renewing between now and the end of the year, like I, I can project that out all into 2019, which is awesome. And so I currently, you know, have more, uh, you know, in agreement, um, uh, under contract in 2019, uh, to hit, hit my goals. So like, I, like I already feel good about next year, um, in a way that's awesome. That's huge. Yeah. There's an app I was going to mention. I, I have used it or I, I did the, like the, is it time? Like, the no, it's, it's an app called cushion. Um, oh. I'll include a link in the show notes. Uh, I tried it and it, um, it actually seemed like a really interesting mix of tools for freelancers to, to cover a bunch of what we're talking about here. Yeah. It just didn't work super well for me because it seemed all geared around people that bill hourly. Yeah. And so, uh, which I understand, like that's the majority of freelancers, but not me. And so I, I kind of have been emailing with folks there and it seems like they're about to release some new features that are, that are more indicative to people that are doing, um, a retainer work. And so I might get in on like a, you know, early access and some of that and give it a spin. And if so, I'll, I'll definitely report back and let you know, it, it kind of does everything from like, like scheduling capacity into the future, which is something I would, I would love to have a good solution for. Oh, that's huge. Um, budgeting out in the future. Uh, if you've got, you know, seasonality and what you uh, get paid, it's got time tracking, it's got invoicing, which I wouldn't use it for, but it does connect with zero. It does connect with, mm. uh, harvest and some other tools that we've talked about fresh books. Um, a lot of tools that we've talked about on here. So, uh, hopefully it's something that I could, you know, add to the collection of stuff I'm using and, uh, at least track these couple of pieces that right now I'm just using spreadsheets for that. I would certainly pay a few dollars a month to have like a, a, proper user interface, like reporting dashboard kind of stuff um, to, to kind of make me feel like I have better control over that. That makes sense. <clears throat> so it sounds like both of us have kind of figured out how to surpass our goals. And I guess we initially set goals based on what we were making at our last traditional jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you, you know, blew past those. And so now we're just like, Oh, this is good, <laughs> but the economy is really good right now. Um, so financially we we've met those goals, but what about, um, for instance, for me, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm a little bit nervous that I'm going to lose some of the flexibility associated with my setup. Um, because I, I do have so much work coming in. Um, and that would be a goal for me is to maintain that flexibility somehow. Do you have a way of like tracking your soft goals or do you think about them really regularly or? Yeah, I, I don't have a good way to do it. Um, the spreadsheet I use with the months, I, I add what I'm estimating the hourly, uh, commitment for each of my clients to be. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, uh, it's the number I come up with that I kind of base my pricing on. Um, and I, and I allocate that just to kind of keep tabs on how many hours each month I'm projecting that I, I will have work to do. Um, mm -hmm. super loose. Um, I, I mean, uh, I don't go by it. I mean, it's not something that like limits or whatever, but it kind of gives me a little bit of a litmus test to know if I have a particularly busy month, like a, a couple of months ago, I had a month that 
um, was busier than I want. Like, uh, I kind of, after the month was over and I was like, whoa, like, um, you know, I've hit some sort of upper threshold here and I need to, I need to figure out a way to scale some stuff. And so it gave me kind of a good test to go back and look at that month and be like, okay, this is how many hours, you know, of work I was scheduled to do. And so that probably gives me a good sense of, you know, where my ceiling is on that. Right. Um, and I do track my time and harvest to kind of like, you know, um, report against that notion. Right. And so that I, I'm making sure that I'm spending enough time and not too much time on any one client just based on yeah. um, the agreement we have in place. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's been a hard thing to figure out because there's a couple elements. I think two, one is like, um, whatever the, the PETA factor of the clients, the, you know, the oh, yeah. pain in the butt factor. And sometimes it's just the hard PETA. to put it. Yeah. P-tib. Um, P-bub. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, Remember how much trouble you would have gotten in growing up for saying the word, butt? Oh, so much, so much. <laughs> well, the good thing is PEBA can stand for pain in the bottom also. Oh, so, we're allowed to say that. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> we had to play rumps up instead of butts up. <laughs> I actually got to go when I went to my dad's every other weekend. Um, I could say, but there, so oh. uh, there's a lot of, a lot of eternal conflict as a, as a young child <laughs> between that and learning how to take the safety off of a, <laughs> of a lighter with a pocket knife. You were really li- living your best life over there in Sweetwater. Right. You know, my alter ego, uh, <laughs> was, uh, yeah. Learned to live my, uh, my secret life at a very early age. <laughs> Um, Sarah's referencing my grandmother, um, on, on my dad's side as a, as a child, um, they started putting the, the childproof protection on cigarette lighters. Yeah. You um, might be familiar with them. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't even know if they do that anymore. Or they do, I think they all have them. We're just used to it. So there's a, there's, okay. <laughs> there's two kinds. There's the kind that's like the raised metal thing around. Yeah. The, the spinny thing that you spin yeah. to, to strike the flint. Yeah. And then before that, at some point in time, there was a little plastic button oh. on the side of the ladder that you had to push in underneath the button that you push down to for oh. the gas to come out. Okay. I don't, I'm not familiar. <laughs> I wasn't smoking at that point in <laughs> yeah, so you're four elementary, years old. middle school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so my, my grandmother showed me, I don't know why <laughs> I was like, I was in elementary school too. Um, how to pop out that little button so that I guess that's why they don't make that style anymore. Cause <laughs> seemed easily defeated. Um, she showed me how to pop that out because she thought it was dumb that they were, you know, childproofing cigarette lighters. And so she she took it upon herself to teach the children in her life how to yes, get around it. Because America. That's so funny. Uh, I'm reminded of the when they when you meet Ron Swanson's mom in Parks and Rec and and Andy realizes she has a ton of guns in one of her rooms. And he asked her about it and she said, this is America, isn't it? I don't have to answer stupid questions on my own property. (laughs) And it was, it was a sentiment very, very similar to that. uh, So anyways, yeah. But when I was learning to do hood rat things with my, with my (laughs) family. um, And saying the word, but. And saying the word, but. It was, it was a wild time. A wild time. I don't even know how we got from what we're talking about to this. I'm 
wondering why we knew. I think you hurt yourself. I think it was like you cut yourself. I did. I did. I I still have a scar on my finger from where (laughs) my pocket knife cut me. That's so true. That's funny. Uh, yeah, you know, it's the hard, cold streets of, uh, rural East Tennessee, I guess, right? <laughs> the gravel roads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes dirt. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking about pain and uh, PETA clients. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes it's kind of one of those things that like, I will look at the spreadsheet I have, right. And I'll look at the number of hours the particular client has. And I think, no, no, that's like yeah. not even close <laughs> nah, to making sense. No. <laughs> like, something about this situation needs to that. change. Yeah. Soon. yeah that's and that, super smart. And then I have others that are fine, you know? And so like yeah. those, those, you know, there's a story behind those numbers, I guess. And that's the, that's the piece that's uh, constantly requires attention, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and actually one of the, um, I'm sure we'll talk about long-term, longer term goals here in a second, but one of, of my goals for 2019 is to kind of find a better mix of clients. Um, yeah. uh, I, I kind of took the attitude for a while. I'm just going to say yes to every qualified client. Um, until I got to a place where I was like, okay, this is enough, you know, cause I was trying to guess uh, where that threshold was before I had reached it. Right. And, and I was kind of shooting in the dark. And so I, I, I took that approach and a couple of months ago I got there and I was like, okay, this is enough. Um, but I, I'm still kind of tasked with this notion of like, okay, well, if this is the number of hours, that's good. Billable hours. That's good. Like how, like how can I maximize the revenue from these billable hours? And yeah, one of the ways I've identified is, um, that would help me maximize the revenue and, the quality of life components is to try to get um, fewer small clients than I have and and, uh, replace them with bigger clients. So like if I could have a smaller total number of clients, but them all be of a certain size, then I could, you know, do less of the administrative stuff and more of the actual, you know, work that I'm proud of. And, and I think that would be hopefully beneficial. Um, yeah, I don't want too few because if I lose one, I don't want it to like, I want some right. diversification, you know? Yeah. Um, but I also, you know, I, I've got clients that are paying me, um, let's see X. And then I've got clients that are paying me like, what, like 20 and 30% of X, you know? Yeah. Per month. And like, those are probably, you know, kind of blow a level at which I'm, I'm interested in continuing. Um, well, and what maybe people don't realize until they're actually doing it is the administrative work is the same, almost yeah. the same for the tw- you know twenty x client and the the one x client. So, um, you know, it really cuts into your profit if you've got a really small client because you have to set them up, you have to invoice them, you have to touch them, you have to do all of the same stuff that you have to do with the bigger one, but the bigger one, you're like actually getting tons of, so if you're looking to trim some of your work, if you're spending too many hours and not making enough money, which I think you can always improve <laughs> that ratio, then one of the easiest low hanging fruit on that is to have fewer small um, small clients. Cause that cuts down on your administrative overhead. It does. Yeah. And, and I've got uh, two clients in particular that are, I mean, just a couple hours a month each. And like, honestly, uh, the monthly reporting I do for them accounts for like the bulk of the work I do for them each month. Like I, yeah. I, I have very little time left over to actually do, 
um, do management because, you know, uh, most of it's administrative and that's just kind of silly. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah. through an agency. So it's not someone that I picked. It was someone that was kind of handed to me, but, um, it is something that, you know, every month I'm doing answering questions and doing stuff for these clients. And then it, it I don't, I don't really feel like I'm bringing full value. I'm dealing with that same <clears throat> issue because, you know, I've got like a, a great multitude of actually like 72 people who filled out the Google form uh, engagement letter in the last thank year, 18 months, maybe. Um, so that's a lot of people. <laughs> and some of them just want one thing, like look at this non-compete or um, really just an hour or two of work. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out I'm greedy though, so I'm trying to figure out how to keep them, but then um, systematize so that they're streamlined and the administrative stuff is is lessened, and then possibly also bring in um, a contractor to help uh, uh, do some of the simpler stuff for me, you know, so I can delegate some of it and just kind of keep things rolling forward. Yeah, that makes sense. It's um. It's kind of stressful. I mean, it, but it, I, the reason I think it's important is I think I get the bigger clients because I take, like, I, I have a solution for most of the people who get sent my direction. So if someone's referred to me, I try really hard to like match them with somebody else if it's not what I do or to help them out for free or otherwise because I want to keep those avenues of referral, uh, coming and I want to make mm -hmm. it so that people know, Hey, I can like drop this off with Sarah and, and let go of it and not have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> um, so by helping people with all of these ways, every single one of those people who you help with a non-compete or a small issue, you know, can circle back around and have a friend or they're buying a business, they're selling a business, their friend is, you know, got a big um offer to purchase you know and they're they just will loop back around your way so i think it's worth it for for me but i'm still trying to figure out how to make it more profitable for the amount of time it takes yeah and that, that kind of touches on something i've struggled with is like i i've alluded to more or less at capacity i have a handful of agency clients and referral uh, you know, channels that are bringing additional work into me. And I want to take good care of those folks. Cause that's right. You know, they're sending me work and I, I, um, if anything need to carve out a little capacity to leave open for those opportunities so that I, you know, I can address them well. Um, but I've, I've struggled to find this balance of like, just like, closing the doors to marketing stuff to really focus on super serving my current clients, uh, in particular, the ones that I, I hope to continue working with. Yeah. And the guilt surrounding this notion that I should be out there continuing to plant and cultivate seeds around in case something happens with one of my current clients. And I, I need to kind of flip that marketing switch back on yeah. for myself and, and kind of, you know, in doing that and, and planting and, and t uh, tilling the seeds, I, I tend to produce just more and more stuff that I, that I have to figure out a way to sidestep or say no to. And, and so like yeah. with, without that capacity, it, I, you know, uh, I feel guilty either way. Like if I'm yeah. out there doing it, I think, uh, you know, I, sh this is time I should probably just be focused on my current clients. 
if I'm not out there doing it, I think, oh my gosh, like, you know, something weird's going to happen with one of my clients. I'm going to lose a huge chunk of business and I'm not going to have yeah. um, anything in the pipeline to fill it with. That's really real. I feel like that's what happened to me because I was very busy in February and March. And so I didn't get out there very much. And then um, I think it, there's a cycle that it, it takes, a couple month cycle. And then in July, I slowed down really hard um, and then had to go back out there and start you know, networking and, and doing some of those, um, you know, g like gathering uh, activities. Mm -hmm. And August was very, very slow um, because, you know, nothing had come up yet. And then, you know, fast forward to October and it's the best month I've had yet. So I now I'm more motivated in the future to continue putting myself out there even when I'm really busy so that I don't have these huge dips. But at the same time, I mean, you were using um, farming metaphors and, and my husband's dad is an, is an actual farmer. <laughs> and mm -hmm. like that is some risky stuff. Like when they decide how much of each thing to plant, whether they're planting soybeans or corn, um, they don't know what the market is going to be and what the demand will be and what like tariffs will have done to the market. And they're just guessing. And then they make their decision based on information they have, you know, it, like one time of the year and they don't actually get to harvest the results of that until eight months later. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, that's a farming's a real way to live your life. So I think maybe yeah. the cyclical nature isn't bad. I think that points back to one thing I said earlier, at least in my perspective, the fact that my monthly goal for revenue is at a certain level and I often exceed it very comfortably. Yeah. But like I, I often, when I, you know, if, if something weird's happening with a client and I feel like, you know, they're about to, you know, change course in their business and it's not going to include me or something. Yeah. Right. And like, I'm kind of, uh, my, my spidey senses are kind of going off about like, Oh gosh, you know, this, you know, this might be coming to a close soon. Like I often look back at that and I'm very thankful that we plan for and manage our lives around that lower threshold yeah. and not a higher threshold because I can, I can often reassure myself by saying, Hey, I, I could lose this client and, and it's fine. Like, yeah. you know, I, yes, it might come at the expense of like my annual goal, but my monthly goal is just going to be just fine. And that's really, you know, the one that's most important, right? Like that's what's keeping the bills paid. The annual one's more of my, you know, stretch goal. Yeah. Well, and that's probably just a characteristic that that is a reason that you and I are successful at this. That is probably something that should be considered by people before they make the decision to do this. It's like, do you have the type of mindset where you can do that, where you can live off of a third of what you're making and and keep doing that, even though, you know, you're making more. Cause when mm -hmm. I have a colleague who doesn't, um, at least historically hadn't, for instance, saved anything for taxes the first year he was, um, uh, freelancing as an attorney and he, he made enough to be in the highest tax bracket. Um, so like, when you start off that way, you're kind of screwed cause then you're paying last year's taxes the next year and you can't save for, you know, you just get totally screwed. Right. Um, and now anytime you're trying to make any decision that's um, good for your practice in a long-term way, uh, he's very uh, penny wise, pound foolish on everything. Mm. Um, and, and that kind of, 
demeanor, uh, I think it leads to less success or less, I guess, probably less self-perception of success because you're always a little bit behind the ball unless you really like constrict what you're living off of. Yeah. I, I mean, it certainly makes it a lot less stressful. Um, and yeah, and um, it's not, I mean, uh, a lot of people that have are traditionally employed or living, I mean, statistically speaking, are living paycheck to paycheck and the notion of like losing your job, um, is, is horrifying to those yeah. folks, rightfully so. Right. And to some degree to make all of this work, um, you know, we can lose clients. We can have slow months. Yeah. It's our, our income is a bit more diversified. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have the one job that we can lose and then go the from one hundred percent yeah. to zero. Um, but you know, twenty five percent can can fluctuate month over month or walk out the door or whatever. Uh, and having, you know, I guess that's one of the good reasons of setting a goal above where you need to live as as um, your income goal, so that you do have that flexibility, that margin so that you can, uh, take a punch in the face and and keep going, you know, Yeah, uh, if that happens. I agree. That is probably the benefit. So I guess this goal setting podcast has really been about setting conservative goals and then exceeding them, but maintaining your conservative goals, even when you're making more. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, um, it's not, Rocket science, right? Um, or as a friend of mine says, it's not rocket surgery. It's <laughs> it's like uh it's it's kind of feels like like grandpa-y or grandmothery, you know, like something yeah. our grandparents probably did. Um in, ex- <laughs> in addition to teaching you how to de child Yeah, that's water. what I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> she was selling those for twenty five cents over market. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really just living within your means and all of that kind of stuff. And, and to, you know, what we were talking about earlier, the notion that, um, when I tell people what I do or they see me, uh, yeah. picking up my daughter from school in the middle of the week, um, part of me feels like, uh, you know, I often tell myself, I kind of need to get used to that. Cause that's not yeah. a bad place. Like of all of these like highfalutin people that are <laughs> trophy spouses that are floating around here. Like, I don't want that. Like, right. Yeah. Their dads can't be here picking them up. So right. like who's winning. Right. Yeah. It's just, it, it always bristles, but I think you're totally right. And yeah. reframing that and just being happy with the fact that, um, you, you've met all of these different goals so well in a way that, that they probably haven't, I think is, before we go, I'll ask you this one thing. Do you have any thoughts or tips on, on setting like five-year goals? Like uh, projected out a little bit more. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot um, lately, ever since this uh, yoga retreat. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, because there was no reception and I had nothing else to do. <laughs> I was like, oh, what am I going to do? That is um, my nightmare. Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. I thought about getting in the car and driving just for Netflix. <laughs> um, I even I didn't know it, so I couldn't download anything in advance like you do when you're getting like you're getting on a flight or whatever. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. But but for three straight days. Anyways, um, I reached enlightenment. Here we are. Um and <laughs> five years uh goal, I think, is something that you have to think about every couple months 
and probably write down because otherwise you will not accomplish any of the stuff. <laughs> like if you think that you, I mean, if you imagine a day where you just didn't make a list or, or intentionally try to accomplish anything and you just dealt with everything as it came up, that, I mean, that is your life for year over year over year if you're not intentional about it. So I think you have to you have to articulate your five-year goals and your two-year goals and your three-year goals, and then you have to tell other people and you have to write them down. And then every time you make a decision, you have to say, does this support my five-year goal or not? Like, I, I don't want to, I, I love, I want to practice law forever, but I also want to be um, more integrally involved in, in businesses because I really enjoy it, but I'm always on the outside outside. Um, so a a lot of my decisions now are made towards that goal of either, you know, becoming more involved in business as a business lady. (laughs) So, um, while maintaining a practice and that means my practice needs to stay flexible and, um, you know, that I need to bring in people I can delegate to and things like that. Yeah. How do you do it? I, I've actually tried to implement the system and I'm, I'm what a year and a half into it. So, um, you know, take that for what it's worth, but I, I have a list of five-year goals. Um, and, and not all of them are necessarily five years, but it's something that I know that within the five-year window, I'm going to have to deal with, you know, in some capacity. Yeah. Um, and I try to check in on those quarterly and within each quarter window, I try to assign myself some sort of step, you know, um, it's usually something that, you know, would take a couple of, you know, a couple hours over the course of a few weeks to actually accomplish, you know, like it's, it's of a significant size each step is, but okay, something that I can do quarter by quarter so that I'm at least working towards that. What's an example? Um, I have... One of the things I think about often is what happens to my business, which is 90, you know, 85% AdWords or Google ads. It's now called, um, managing those for clients. What happens when that's not relevant anymore? You know, like I've, I've seen other ad networks come and go. There's even already a, a big shift into like, uh, social advertising with Facebook and Instagram and like ads on Amazon, uh, for retail products. And so like, do I need to like continue learning each of those to, to evolve with the times or, um, what, what is my response to the fact that the thing I know the most about is probably at the top of the bell curve of its life cycle, you know? Yeah. And when that starts diminishing, I don't want to be, you know, um, one, one of these folks that is like of a dying breed that can still do this one thing really well, but no one cares because it's not relevant anymore. Right. Um, so there's stuff like this, this quarter, uh, Q4 of this year, I'm taking a class, uh, an online class about a l- little bit in the realm of what you just described, kind of, uh, getting more plugged in the business world, but, um, perhaps, uh, starting or building products of my own that surround the space that I'm in, that could be something that I start to market my own services or my own product for, instead of, you know, merely existing to do work on other people's businesses. Yes, exactly that. Like you're, we're service, both of us are service providers. And so, um, the, the goal is to eventually also be a part of like the product as well. Yeah. And you know, the thing I keep coming back to is, and I've said this before, like I only need like a handful of clients to be successful doing what I'm doing now. 
the same is true on that front, right? I, if I created a product that has yeah. a, a, like an incredible, um, like it fills the need significantly of, of a void that is had by 25 people, <laughs> Like, yeah, that's fine. That's a good, that that's a business for me. Right. Like, as, you know, or could be, yeah. um, if, if the pricing stuff makes sense, like I don't have to set the world on fire and get a bunch of VC funding and do all this kind of stuff. Right. I, I could start or build something that, that just, um, satisfies a handful of people enough that they're willing to pay me, you know, a certain amount of money and it's, and it becomes like a viable business for me. And so thinking about those sorts of things, and finding kind of these little holes in the marketplace where I could step in and do something um, is really interesting. So, you know, taking a class kind of to get my mind moving in that direction by um, an author that talks about that kind of stuff. And um, it, it's just one step. And so I spend a couple hours a week doing it just for the, the length of the class. It's an online class. Um, but that's like, that's my step for this quarter. And, you know, hopefully after that class is over, like the step for Q1 of next year will be apparent, right? Like that it'll be like, Oh, yeah. okay, well here's, here's what I learned from the class. And so here's, here's some stuff I can do to put that into action. Yeah. I like that. I think, um, I think freelancers are particularly well poised to be really, really meaningful, uh, in their solutions to things because we're just already out there. Like that first step people have to take before they start a company or develop something new is leave their jobs or whatever. And we're, we're already doing it. We're, we already left our jobs and have the flexibility and see the, the inside of it. So I think a lot of problems are solved by freelancers for that reason. And there's, there's the freedom, the nimbleness of not needing anyone else's approval. Um, yeah, I, I remember having an idea in that realm, um, some number of months ago, a couple of years ago, and, you know, kind of pitched it to my boss at the time. And, and they were essentially like, Hey, just, why don't you just keep doing what you're doing now? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and, and, you know, the timing has come and gone for that idea and maybe it was a terrible idea. Maybe it was a good idea. We'll never know. But, um, in the world where I, uh, live independently now I can, I can act on that. And at the same time, the, the pressure is on me from like a goal setting perspective to do something about those sorts of things now, knowing that, you know, the, the future of what I do today might be short lived, you know? And so I, yeah. I need to start working on what's next, um, before I have to, <laughs> um, which totally, which makes it a lot harder. Cause at the same time, I've got like a whole book of business that I'm trying to care for well and do that whole thing. So, you know, you really have to carve that time out cause it's not going to happen unless you don't. Cause you've yeah. I've got a, you know, a whole job that I'm tending to on this, uh, in the midst of all of this. Yeah. That, and it's, it's hours that you're putting in without a direct financial, um, payback. So mm-hmm. you have to prioritize it. I, you know, you sent me Rob that, uh, article on AI taking over, um, you know, being better at reviewing non-competes or something than, or NDAs than, uh, like all of the highest trained <laughs> lawyers. Right. Uh, you know, I, I have this subscription to this practical law service that gives you in these amazing forms. And once you get into that, you're like, well, what am I bringing to the table? And so keeping that in mind, um, what I bring to the table that a computer won't for a very long time (laughs) Mm -hmm. is, um, something worth considering, uh, in every single step you take. Yeah. Yeah. And and like, oftentimes it seems like the the reality is not far from where you are today, right? Like it's, 
it's a step in a particular direction. It's a, it's an, a new twist and an old favorite. Um, <laughs> like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like you've yeah. got a skill set. You can probably find a, a slightly different application for that and feel good about the direction you're moving in. But you, but at the same time, you still have to do that. Like, yeah. Um, you can't, you know, I can't just, I'm thinking about people that like sell billboards for a living, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we've got all these billboards, like, you know, people still need to use these. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be that, the AdWords version of whatever that is. That's so uh, funny. What a funny example. <laughs> yeah. You see stuff like that, like the, like Lamar or whatever. Yeah. Or when the yellow page people call you yeah, and you're like, Whoa, yeah. man. Yeah. That's dark. Let's, Let's talk about some of the life decisions you've made. Yeah, sir. no joke. <laughs> like, so heroin, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, well, I think we, we kind of, we did it. We talked about goals. Yes, we did. Um, what would you do if you were a listener wanting to see our show notes? You would go to unfederated.studio slash 20 for episode 20. What would you do if you were a listener who was like, oh, I love these guys. I wish more people could more easily find them. You could be so generous and writing a review and rating us in iTunes. It helps other people find the show. And it also uh, flags iTunes that uh, we're legit and we're doing good work and people are liking us so that they can help share us with new people. Yay. Yay. And I'll ask you, what would you do? If you had a question for us or wanted a topic covered on a future show. Oh, I would uh, email either of us or both through the, the message uh, contact form on unfederated.studio. What? Love it. It's worth doing. We love hearing from you. It makes our day. Mm-hmm. Collectively. Well, thanks for getting amped for this podcast episode. <laughs> I, I feel like I brought this in to you. <laughs> so Yes. Uh, crystals will be forthcoming in the mail. <laughs> I've been checking my heart rate on my Apple watch and it's, oh, yeah. it's come to a, a, a slow Dead. crawl. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's not good. It's just that mellow. Uh, I've never been that mellow. Good talking to you, Sarah. Good talking to you, brother. Have a good week. All right. You too.